0: Hey, everybody, I'm Father Roderick, and you are listening to a brand new episode of The Break, which is a show about everything you don't do when you have to work, because then you have to focus on work. But if you need a break, if you have some time to spare, if you're in your car on a commute, this is a show to listen to. This episode is made possible thanks to my patrons. Take a look at patreon.com slash father Roderick because for the $5 and more patrons, I have a brand new flagship podcast that I'm super proud of and very happy with. Each week, I will go in-depth into the movies, the television series, and the books that I love. And it's stuff that I just don't have time for in this show. So if you're interested in that, again, take a look at Father Roderick on Patreon. And if you become a patron, then you support the work that I do. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So I just came back from the Walk of the World, which is the world's biggest walking event. I thought it was just Europe, but it's actually a global phenomenon. This started about 100 years ago. So it's been going on for more than a century now. And today, more than 40,000 people come together in one city. It's a little bit to the east of where I live. Um, It's not that far from the German border. It's a beautiful environment. And then for four subsequent days, these people walk uh, huge distances. Uh, the The farthest is 50 kilometers per day, so 200 kilometers in total. Um, and then if you reach a certain age, um, you uh, can walk 40 kilometers per day. And then if you are, I think, 60 plus, uh, you can walk 30 kilometers per day. Um, I decided to try to walk 50 kilometers per day. And I, I trained for that. And uh, unfortunately, because of the heat wave that was holding most of Europe in its grip, and well, let's be honest, also the most of the rest of the, of the Western world um, excluded, of course, Australia and, and New Zealand, where right now they're more in uh, uh, the type of weather that we would have during the winter or the fall. Um, but most of the world uh, above the 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 equa- equator is suffering under you know m- incredible heat. I've I've I don't think have we ever seen something like this. It is pretty scary, and, and so it also hit the Netherlands, where normally during the summertime it's not that hot and it rains a lot, and you know it's kind of like mediocre. But for a couple of years now, we've had these extremely hot summers. And so this past Tuesday, we were supposed to start the Walk of the World, but the temperatures went all the way up to a 40 degrees Celsius, especially in the cities where, of course, the concrete and the buildings are sucking up that heat and kind of like making it feel even hotter than when you're out in the open. And so because of those high temperatures, the organization um, decided to cancel the first day of walking. So in total, I walked three days, 150 kilometers in total, and it was hard. I will not lie. This was a lot harder than I anticipated. Um, But even though it was sometimes even excruciatingly hard, I did learn an important lesson, and I'll talk a little bit more about that lesson that I learned in the segment of The Peculiar Bunch. <laughs> I do not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a vacation. I'm going to give it to you. This, of course, is also the week of Comic-Con, and oh my goodness, we have seen so much incredible news, not just happening at Comic-Con, but also around Comic-Con. I think uh, the movie and television industry is taking advantage of all this interest, this concentrated interest and focus on movies and TV shows to launch their trailers. And so let's start with a trailer for a series that is going to have a span of, I think, four or five movies, Uh, this is helmed by James Cameron, and of course I'm talking about Avatar. And we all remember the phenomenon that Avatar was, what is it, like five or six years ago, maybe even more. Um, He's back with a huge new saga that takes place in the same world, although we are now a decade away from the events that we saw in the first movie and of course everybody is wondering is this going to work again at the time this was a massive success this was one of the tentpole 3d demonstration movies and i think it blew everyone away i, I remember seeing that movie in the in the cinema and we had had 3d before but usually it was kind of like hmm, post-production 3d where they they shoot the film in 2D. Most of the 3D that we see nowadays is done like that. They shoot it in two dimensions and then with all sorts of trickery, they tra- they transform that into 3D so they can charge it a little bit more. And, and usually that, that post-production 3D is just not as convincing as what James Cameron did with Avatar, which was totally filmed in real 3D using two cameras. And so... Uh, at the time, it was something we've never seen before, the realism, and plus, I have to say, it was a good story. I liked it. It was a wonderful, immersive experience. But of course, that was then. And since then, we've, we've been so spoiled with all these these incredible worlds that a lot of uh, movie companies have been conjuring up. And, and it's not just movies anymore. You can see it on TV, some of these these series. And, well, we'll speak a little bit later about uh, the upcoming Lord of the Rings series. But now on TV, you get stuff that is way better than anything we've seen before at the movies. And so, will this still work? I think it's not just going to be about technology or 3D anymore. What this saga needs to succeed is is a good story. Let's face it. Let's take a listen here. This is the audio from the trailer where you see the the same blue Navi running around in their wonderful, colorful world. You see the same flying, what what were these called? These flying animals that they ride? But now we get to see more than we saw in the first movie because it's not just the world above the ground, but we also dive into the oceans. This movie, its first part of this four or five part saga is coming to theaters in December already. So most of what we see in the trailer is actually the finished product. Now this is a, kind of more of an atmospheric trailer. There's a little bit of dialogue, which is coming up soon, but it's... I know one thing. There you go. Way of the Water. So we're going to have a lot of water this time instead of just air. Well, actually, there's also a lot of flying there. But it, it, it I have to say, it looks good, but it feels very similar to the first movie. So... I really think that the story needs to work. Now, of course, we've got major actors uh, participating in this in this movie. Uh, Sigourney Weaver, who played an important character in the first movie, she's going to be back, but she's not going to play the same character anymore. Instead, she's going to play like a teenager, which is an extraordinary choice. Um, and apparently for the actress, this was also a, a riveting experience to play a character completely photorealistic of course who is still in her younger years so i'm i'm really eager to see what's going on and of course because this is all cg well actually the the first movie was a combination of cg and and uh, real 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 life actors i supposed to do the same but um, the na'vi of course are <laughs> non-existent there it's the cgi people uh, it, it's much easier to have an older actress uh, returning to a world, even though she has a totally different age than the person that she's playing, because you don't have to de-age. You don't need to use the usual trickery or what they did in Kenobi with uh, with Obi wan and Anakin, where they they used makeup to de-age the actors for their you know this flashback to the the training that that Anakin got. Uh, you can you can do much much more just because it's CGI. So, yeah, is it going to work? I, I, I'm, I'm actually very intrigued by the fact that there's almost no buzz around this movie, or at least compared to other movies, and not even that much negative backlash. I would have expected a lot of people... What, what fans do nowadays, or fans, certain people do nowadays, whatever comes out, if it's big budget... And there's going to be this huge, massive backlash... ...even before we've seen one single frame of the movie. And so I I kind of expected that to happen with Avatar as well. And it didn't. Is that a good sign? Or is it worrisome because is it just a lack of interest? I don't know. It's just baffling to me that a production like... Um, the, ...The Rings of Power gets so much backlash... ...and there's so much negativity... Whereas with avatar people are like, "Yeah well, we'll see, we'll see. I don't know what that is anyway i'm I'm kind of happy that there is not that much negativity, maybe there is, but I just didn't notice it around this movie uh and for me for my part, I'm totally happy to immerse myself again in in this wonderful world all right, what else is coming well comic con of course had a huge panel uh dedicated to the the oh, my well to this movie and of course this is the MCU and the the song that you hear is the backdrop of or the I would say the soundtrack of this trailer for Black Panther 2 which is maybe one of the most anticipated Marvel movies of the past five years how are they going to continue this story now that the main actor is no longer with us. Well, we'll soon know when we will see Black Panther, Wakanda, forever. A lot of the imagery in the trailer is about mourning. You see people cry, but also new life. You see a baby being born underwater. And the world of Wakanda seems to be much bigger than we saw in the first movie. And of course, there's conflict. And this is a bit similar to what we see in Avatar. There's this wonderful kind of hidden world, and then you have people that want to take advantage of its resources. It looks amazing. And the trailer is deliberately edited in such a way that's very powerful, full of emotion. And the final shot is Black Panther? But who is Black Panther now? It's a very intriguing trailer and i think that a lot of people got emotional while seeing it because of course uh this all makes us feel the loss of of um chadwick uh what was his name uh who, who played the black panther in the in the first movie um it's uh let me see that uh black panther so i'm just Trying to find uh, Panther. Let's try not to speak and type at the same time. <laughs> um, I was looking up the the list. So Chadwick Bozeman played T'Challa, and then he died. He was actually already sick when he was filming Black Panther, and and he died. And and it it was a shock because nobody knew. Well, at least most of the world didn't know that he was so sick. And and the movie was such a hit. Everybody wondered, well, how can we? continue with this amazing story? How can we keep building this world if the the titular character is no longer with us? But I think that they what they did is to just integrate that, that loss, that mourning, into the story of the second movie, at least from the looks of it. And then they bring back, of course, all the other actors um, that we saw in the first movie. Um, I, I'm very eager to see what they've done with this story and definitely uh, very much in my top five movies that I want to see later this year. Um, This, of course, is also going to be the movie that kind of brings closure to the fourth phase, you could say, of the MCU. And then we are moving into um, the fifth, sixth, and seventh phase, I think, of Marvel, uh, where it's all going to be about the multiverse. Uh, they've been setting that up for a long time, of course. Um, and so the, the, on Comic-Con, they showed uh, the, the entire, uh, what is it, phase five, phase, phase six plans with uh, a couple of, of movies that we will see and it's just way too much to to uh, to mention here, but what what surprised me is that we're going to get a Fantastic Four movie, which I I hoped because we we saw some glimpses, of course, in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, that was definitely a teaser for what's to come. So I can't wait to see what they're going to do with Fantastic Four. It's it's one of my favorite groups of superheroes for some reason. And then they announced two new Avengers movies. That was, for me, at least totally unexpected. The Kang din- Dynasty and Secret Wars. Secret Wars was something that, from the comics that they 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 kind of hinted at. Uh, so that's now confirmed. But to see that we're going back to Avengers, even though I thought that, yeah, they're kind of done with the Avengers. Not so. Um, they also showed, um, or, well, not really showed any trailers, but they, they gave us more information about uh, She-Hulk, um, Daredevil is going to be back, so it's moving or it has already moved to Disney Plus. It was, of course, on Netflix, and they are going to use uh, star Charlie Cox again and Vincent D'Onofrio from the original Daredevil series on Netflix. So I guess they just struck a deal with Netflix because Netflix paid for those first two seasons, and now it's all going to be on Disney Plus. Um, I like it because <laughs> I I th- I think that. Um, Daredevil is maybe the most Catholic-themed show, strangely enough. And so I'm looking forward to doing some commentary uh, on the existing two, two seasons, but also, of course, on the, on the next season that is, uh, that is now promised to us for 2023, I think. So it's still going to take a while. So that was Marvel. It was huge. Um, just Google it. Uh, it's all over the, over the place. Um, but it's a machine. I don't Disney is hoping to replicate this success and but also the way in which they can just churn out all these stories they want to do that for Star Wars as well but I heard from Kathleen Kennedy during the Star Wars celebration that they're still looking for someone to helm this this mega project they need someone like Kevin Feige who can just take charge of all the Star Wars stories and can make a, a plan. I'm sure they already have a bit of a, of a plan, but they need someone to really direct it. And Kathleen Kennedy is not the person to do that because, of course, she oversees so much more than just this. So, and according to her, and I have not seen this very, uh, online very much. She said during one of the, uh, the, the, the talks that I, that I was at, that, that they, they are in negotiations with someone. But we don't know who that is. I can't wait to discover that. But I really believe... It surprised me, surprises me that it takes so long to find someone to do that. Maybe because it's just a daunting task. Marvel, the MCU, can, of course, use all that material from decades of comic books. Whereas with Star Wars, they actually deliberately made all the existing canon that was there in the expanded universe, they made that non-canon. And so even though they've been using some of those elements from those stories and characters, they can't just take those stories and, well, let's you know use those, I don't know how many books, that more than 100 maybe. They can't use it anymore because they themselves invalidated that because of the movies that they wanted to bring out. And so what they basically, the big problem with Star Wars is they have to rebuild it from the ground up. They have to tell new stories, which of course is so much harder than if you can just pick and choose from an existing canon. Although in the MCU, of course, they're using all these different timelines. And now with the multiverse, of course, they make it much easier for themselves to, to basically use any comic story that they want to use. Because of course, in 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 the Marvel universe, it's all contradictory, and they do all these reboots. Now they can just say, ah, oh, but that's another universe, you know, that's another plane of existence. So yeah, they can basically explain thing the discrepancies away very easily. You can't do that with Star Wars, uh, and I, I really hope that they're they're never going to do like a multiverse thing for Star Wars, because seriously, I, we need a consistent timeline. It's, it's it's bad enough that with Star Trek, they created these divergent timelines. I don't want that to happen to Star Wars. But eh, they make it really difficult. Well, timelines, another timeline that is going to be expended with new material is, of course, the timeline of Middle-Earth. And well, I've already talked a lot about that last time, but I was surprised to see... Uh so quickly after we saw this this expanded extended uh, teaser trailer that we got a full blown trailer which is even cooler than what we saw last week and oh, I just got to play it We thought the war at last was ended Today our days of peace begin We thought our joys would be unending. We thought our light would never dim. The skies are strange. You just hear Galatria, the moment we feared. Evil does not sleep. It wakes. Beyond the darkness, tempting shadow to bury us all beneath the mountain. He has not one name, but many. If you heard of him, lad. If you heard of Sauron. Together we can survive this. Fight with me. Each of us must decide who we shall be. There can be no trust between hammer and rock. Eventually one or the other must surely break. You have been told many lies of Middle Earth. ...discover the legend that forged the rings. And this looks so incredibly epic. I cannot believe it. This blew me away. This is so much better than the previous teaser trailer. This looks so much like what we what we got with, with The Lord of the Rings... ...with Peter Jackson's production... Um, it, it, it's, it's got the same language, the visual language, the quality, the scope, the music that you hear, how much the music resembles the soundtrack for The Lord of the Rings. Um, it, it, this completely blew me away, and I wasn't the only one to be blown away by that. There have been panels at Comic-Con where a lot of the cast members and the, and the producers and the writers were there to answer questions, to tell, finally tell how they approached this this huge project, and I think it did a lot of good uh, because it made it clear how much they respect and love Tolkien's world and how to which lengths they went to create this new saga in this second era. And I think uh, a, a lot of the... Uh, of the criticism that we saw previously, of course, was based on almost nothing—a few glimpses in trailers and trailers—and people complained about uh, about female dwarves having beards or not having beards, and about uh, th- th- this being uh, like a, just a, a, a financial uh, uh, project for Amazon to just basically milk or exploit Tolkien's work um but what we didn't know back then is what we see now is the passion and also the extreme you know level of quality not just visual not just the money that's been poured into this but also the, the storytelling quality the experts that they involved in this i i think this is going to be unlike anything we've seen on television before and <laughs> I'm so glad that I have a big TV because this screams to be big screen. I I, I I still think that they should also show this in theaters. this This looks so good that our TVs are just too small for a spectacle like this. Uh, I, I want to see this in, in a movie theater, but I don't know if that will ever ever happen. Anyway, I'm I'm, I'm so reassured. After seeing this, I love also the the structure of this trailer. So for the first time, you get that classic storytelling structure where it begins with this: "We thought the world was perfect. We thought we would all live in peace." And you see all these beautiful images of Middle Earth, just like the old, you know, Lord of the Rings starts with this idyllic a uh, situation in the Shire where everybody is just happy and the sun is shining. And then, of course, everything goes wrong. We see the Palantir. We see Galadriel touching it and then getting all these images of destruction and death. And then we hear that Sauron is there. And he is going to poison this this beautiful world. And, of course, huh, that's when evil grows. That's when heroes rise. And you see that happening in this short trailer and and this is classic narrative structure that I think was also why we love the Lord of the Rings so much. This this and it's amazing how they used the 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 stories in in the appendices to create that same storytelling structure that we're so familiar with. Um, yeah, I th- I think even though this is a completely different story, a different time period in Middle-earth, I still think that this will feel very much like what we associate with Tolkien's writing. And it won't all be Tolkien, we know that. But as long as he could have written it, it's fine with me. But then again, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> Catholic's rock. It's time for a quick visit to the Peculiar Bunch And this is the place where we tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics But you were afraid to ask Catholics can be a peculiar bunch No meat on Friday No oh, meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? And today I want to talk about a lesson that I learned the hard way this past week By walking, or trying to walk, the walk of the world Man, you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster videos So I want to take you back to uh Wednesday when I started my uh, my my first fifty kilometers. I was really very positive upbeat. I thought you know I've trained for this, I can do this i'm 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 fit uh i'm I'm prepared. I've already done the forty kilometers version. There's a day less of walking. This should be so easy. Uh and I was just you know way too proud of what I thought I could do. Well, here is the sound of a video that you can see on my documentary channel or my vlogging channel. Um which, of course, is one of the channels that I have on YouTube. As you know, I've been diversifying. I've instead of putting everything on one channel, I'm now creating specific channels: one for Lego, one for the for the vlogs and the documentaries. I'm actually also building an anime-related uh, uh, YouTube channel. We've got the mass the mass for geeks that has moved to the Tridio Tridio Media channel. So take a look if if you go to any of my YouTube pages or channels. If you scroll down, you will see actually links to all those other channels. And I encourage you to subscribe to them so that you don't miss the content. So this is what I I started. So I started to upload new vlogs to my stories channel. And I will just play the audio of the first one because no matter how prepared I thought I was, the first day was not what I expected uh let me see i of course need to reroute the audio here to the roadcaster here we go no i still don't hear any audio why is that have i (laughs) oh maybe maybe i should turn the volume up there you go one day i'll learn this podcasting thing So, I'm partaking in the biggest walking event of Europe, called the Walk of the World. And I'm joined by about 40,000 people behind me, but also ahead of me. 40,000 people that will walk for four days. Multiple distances, the longest distance is 50 kilometers. That is about 31 miles. Not one day, but four days in a row and then you have also distances of 40 kilometers and 30 kilometers, depending on your age. I'm walking 50 kilometers, and I had prepared to walk four days in a row. However, yesterday was supposed to be the first day, but we had this massive heat wave, and it was so dangerously hot, it was almost approaching 40 degrees Celsius. That's in the hundreds uh, Fahrenheit that it would have been Maybe even potentially lethal for some people if they had uh, walked that day. So they cancelled that day, instead we're we're starting this Wednesday. I began this morning very early, woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, started walking at 4 and of course I made the classic beginner's mistake. I walked too fast. I was just full of adrenaline. I wanted to be outside, I trained for this so I walked for about two hours at full speed, and then my legs started to hurt. And I'm thinking, oh, I hope I'm not injured. That would be really disastrous. Thankfully, at one point, um, Michiel was actually on the board of Tridio, was uh, waiting at the side, um, and he took me aside, gave me something to drink, something to eat, I could sit in a chair, and that fixed me up and i have to say this music and also all the people that are this is actually very quiet <laughs> anyway so you get the you get the idea right uh, there's a, there's a bit of repetition here in the information I, I apologize about that but does this sound familiar this is exactly the same mistake that i made when i was walking the camino i wanted to do it all you know by myself and wanted to not disappoint myself or whatever, and I just overdid it, and I got almost injured to the point that I I wasn't sure that I could continue. So um, I, I tried to fix it as best as I could. So in the evening I got, uh, I went to a uh, massage therapist, um, and she gave me a, like a half-hour massage of the um uh, how do you call it? the calves? Because they were hurting the much, the most, and she also could tell that 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 I had overextended myself because you know, there were a lot of knots in in just the the whole the legs were just so um, over over exerted that that it took about half an hour to loosen everything up so that it could heal. But then the problem is, of course, once you've you've the the muscles themselves have been massaged. The healing process itself takes place over the course of the night. And so I, of course, needed to sleep, but I couldn't. It was so hot, and I was so, I don't know, just there were so many impressions during that day. And I, I slept maybe only an hour. And that had a huge impact on the next day, where, well, this happened... Let me just play the audio here. There we go. As predicted, it started to rain, and not a little bit. Whoa, what a change of weather. Of course, for nature, this is amazing, especially after the drought. This is all very celebratory. But for walking, it's not as ideal and i think uh, i speak for all of us here that this is not what we hope for on this second day of walking this is actually a tough day because uh we're going up hills i'm not sure if you can tell but this is actually going straight up and uh uh, behind you you. oh the hill is behind me well this also feels like a hill (laughs) anyway so it's uh my my feet are actually getting wet so you get water in your shoes and uh, that's, of course, uh, enhancing the risk of blisters because you get friction. Well- so th- and this was just before I had to walk over those like three major hills. And here I was actually still doing quite all right. But at the towards the end, like the final two hours, i I was in so much pain, and that i I, I thought, I have to give up. I don't know if I can make it until the end. And what was so frustrating was that I was I was actually a bit mad at God because the day before I had uh I had asked for prayers. And I we had I celebrated mass in the evening also asking God for please bless us help me to get through this. I know I'm I'm my 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 calves are hurting and but you know what? God, it's up to you. I just have to trust you. I will be okay. And then I wasn't. It was as if God didn't get the message. Instead, the second day, instead of being a little bit better than the first day, it was far worse. And I, I was like, it's raining. It's storming. I am, I'm, I'm not able to do this. It's too far. I was just completely fed up with the whole thing and i i i I thought you know if i if I have to do another fifty kilometers like this with this much pain, if I'm going to have another night where I won't sleep i i think i'll I'll have to give up and and that is so frustrating and feels so horrible because every everybody was encouraging me and and I always thought you know. It's 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 going to be up to me. I'm I'm well trained. I'm praying. I'm doing everything. What could possibly go wrong? And then everything breaks apart and goes haywire. And I'm thinking, God, what do you want? <laughs> I I I try to to you know to 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 how do you say that without sounding overly pious? I try to leave it up to you. You know, I've already kind of resigned that I can do this by myself. So, I asked for your blessing, I asked for your help and, and 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 this day is just worse than, than yesterday. And maybe I need to give up tomorrow. How how can this happen? So, this is what it this taught me. This is about all about, you know, what is truly happening when we pray. And I kind of fell in the same in the same uh, trap that we all fall in from time to time, thinking that, uh, first of all, first mistake is to think that we can do it all by ourselves, that we don't need anyone. The first day, I was not taking any breaks. I felt, you know what? The more I walk now, the the quicker I'm home and I can I can rest. And so, whereas a lot of other people experienced walkers, they all take a break every two hours. I was like, yeah, I don't need that. I'm I'm well-trained. I can just, you know, go as fast as I can. So, ugh, the price I had to pay towards the end for my own impatience and my own recklessness was, of course, the realization that, well, maybe I can't do this. <laughs> I'm not prepared enough. I don't have enough strength. The second mistake that I made was, well, let's just, if I can't do it, God will have to do it. He will fix it. Let's just Pray and celebrate Mass and ask for God's blessing. And and then, you know, you'll see. You'll see. God will fix this. As if God is Santa Claus. And he's just reading my requests. And then, you know, angels will come down from heaven and carry me for 50 kilometers. And that didn't happen. <laughs> and And I was like, okay, so... What's the point of praying if this doesn't help me and I only get a worse day? And then the third day, that is when I learned my lesson. Because because both of my uh, uh, methods failed. The first one, to rely on myself. The second one, to think that God is going to fix everything. What's the only option that's left? Is to just begin and... Open yourself for any help. And that's what I try to do. So first of all, I try to listen to all the advice that I could get instead of being you know, stubborn and like, I know how to do this. I don't need to take a break. Um, I listen to all the advice that I could get. Um, a friend of mine told me, why don't you just take paracetamol with you? It's some mild painkillers. I do that. A lot of uh, walkers will do that. It won't totally get rid of the pain. You'll still have to walk those fifty kilometers, but it will take the edge off. You just you know, take take a pill every every two hours. And I was like, "Yeah, sure, okay, I'll do that." So I took paracetamol with me. He also told me make sure that you break it up, and every two hours you take a break. And, and you make sure that for the next two hours you have something to do. And he told me, uh, just start the day off in silence. Just block out everything. And if needed, just put in earplugs. And, 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 and just take in that, that early morning rest. And then the next two hours, pray. Pray the rosary. Pray or listen to, to uh, some prayers or anything. But just focus on God. Take another break. Eat some soup. Just waste time. Don't it's not a race. As long as you get to the finish line, it's okay, you know? You have time. You don't have to prove yourself. And then the third hour, do something fun. Listen to an audiobook or listen to music or whatever. And then the the the, the last part, just take it in. There were so many people cheering you on. That's also a source of, of help and energy. And and that's what I did. I followed exactly that to the letter and lo and behold it it went well and and yeah it was hard yes i i i had pain but it was nothing compared to the previous day and what the mo- the thing that that struck me most was the moment i started to open up to all the other people that surrounded me 40,000 people that walked the same distance all these people that were cheering us on on the sides of the road, you you heard the noise, you know, the music, the people that were applauding, the children that would give you, you know, pieces of cucumber or uh, just food or, or sweets or whatever. I, I I was just, instead of blocking it out and, and trying to rely on myself, I was like, okay, thank you. I, I need this. I <laughs> I need that encouragement. And you know what? This is this morning I was, I was preaching um, in the parish about the, the gospel during which Jesus teaches the Our Father. And I'm thinking, you know what? This is exactly the lesson that Jesus taught his apostles. They ask him, hey, can you teach us how to pray? And then Jesus says, sure. This is how you pray. Start with Our Father who is in heaven. Don't start with you. Prayer is not about, hey, God, I, I think I can do this. I don't need you. No, it's all about God. God first. It's your name. It's your will. It's your kingdom. It's all about God. Focus on God. So don't try to rely on yourself. Prayer is an acknowledgement that you can't do it without God. But then second part of the prayer teaches you that God is not going to fix it all for you. He's not Santa Claus. It doesn't work like that. And so God is not going to look at your wish list and then just, you know, do everything you ask him to do. He's not going to do it for you. You will have to still walk the walk. But he will do it with you. And how is he with you? Well, in the the Our Father, there are some examples. Give us... It's not give me give us this day our daily bread. Feed us. Be with us as the one who feeds us, who eats with us. That's what we do when we celebrate the Eucharist. Jesus is there just he was just like he was there with his apostles during the last supper. It's a communal thing. It's it's not just like I am God and here you have food. No he sits with us he he surrounds us with his providence give us this day our daily bread forgive us our trespasses again it's communal this prayer we're all in this together we as a group of people as a community and god with us forgive us our trespasses we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. In other words, don't lead us astray. Help us together to keep on track. Walk with us. Show us where to go. Help us help each other. It's, 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 it's the, the antidote to a, a, a too individualistic idea of faith. And that was exactly what I experienced on the third day. Instead of trying to make this just my walk, or instead of the second day, leaving it all up to God and thinking that he's just going to magically make the pain go away and make these 50 kilometers feel like I'm just floating like Superman. He wanted me, he, he actually, I think he delayed his answer to my prayers until I discovered myself on the third day that I can't do it without God, but I also can't do it without the community. And it was that that gave me the strength to make it until the end. And how often in my life do I fall in the same, do I make the same mistake? Do I fall for the same trap? where, Where either I think I have to do it all by myself and I get frustrated because I fail, or I ask God to help and then my prayer doesn't seem to work because God is not answering, you know, fulfilling my wish list. And how little do I actually look around to notice that God is already helping me because he is motivating other people to be kind to me and to share, even if it's just a piece of cucumber or a smile or a song or their enthusiasm. It's already there and I don't notice it because I'm so focused on myself. Prayer of the our Father is there, that's why we have to pray it so so often, to open us up, to, to, to de-center us from ourselves and to open us up to his presence, to his presence in as the one who walks with us. Like in the story of Emmaus, you know, he's walking with us. And 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 I felt what the disciples of Emmaus were were, were feeling during their walk with Jesus. My heart was burning in a good way during that last day. I just soaked up the energy of all these people, and it carried me. That was an amazing experience, and I hope that it has taught me a lesson that will last a little bit longer than the last time. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? So the audiobook that I listened to on the third day is incredible. It is uh, the audio version of a book called The Science of Storytelling. It's written by Will Storr, double R, double L, double R, Will Storr, The Science of Storytelling. Now, of course, there is a lot of theory about storytelling. And since, you know, my new flagship podcast for my patrons is called Story Secrets, That's what I do. I try to show people this is the story that's being told. This is what actually is happening in the story. This is what it's trying to teach you. And so I need to form myself as well. And then, of course, you know, of course, the Joseph Campbell books about the the whole theory, about the hero's journey, and how many stories share the same template. But this book does a little bit more than that. It actually uses all the recent knowledge about, you know, psychology... Uh neuroscience, how do stories work? How do we come up with stories? Which part of our brain is forming these stories? How are stories proven by science to be essential for our well-being and to make sense of the world? Oftentimes, or actually all the time, we use stories. We tell stories to ourselves to make us feel good, to to make sure that our life makes sense, that we are, in a certain way, uh, that we have agency, that we're not just suffering random events, but that we are in the lead. We, we need stories to do that, and not just individually. We also need that as a human community, as a church, um, as a society. We need myths, religion, stories, fairy tales, you name it, to to find our way and to make sense of it all and to find purpose. And so this book explores that and then it translates it into recommendations for storytellers. So if you want to tell a good story, it's not just about a sequence of events. It's all about character. Every story should be about the reader in a certain way. In a sense that it is helping the reader to tell his or her own story. And it's actually a very... Shocking book, in many ways, because it it, it, it takes away the naivete that, that we often display when it comes to stories. We think, oh, stories, that's just for entertainment. No, 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 no. There's much more going on. Without stories, we wouldn't be able to function. And I think it sheds new light on the importance of, of religion as well as a vessel for storytelling. And the stories of the Bible are, you know, it's, it's not by accident that the three major religions... In the world, the monotheistic religions are all religions of the book. It's the religions that thrive on stories. And this book, I I can recommend it even if you're not into storytelling or movie analysis or anything, but this will teach you so much about yourself as well. It's actually so good that I marked it as a, I need to reread this. Maybe even multiple times because it, it taught me so much about the way our brains function, the way I function the way I tell my own story and also shows me a little bit also the dangers of um, <laughs> thinking that you're part of the story that you actually make up yourself and so you always have to be aware of the fact that, that the story that I tell myself may not actually be reality it's a verse it's a perspective on reality my perspective. But am I truly open to also listen to other people's stories, the way they look at my story? Maybe I play a totally different role in their stories. Uh, It will not make you poorer to actually be open to alternative stories. I'm not talking about alternative facts, but it's, it's, it's very important to realize that your story is your story, just as much as I think that any religion can benefit from listening to the stories in other religions. It's not a threat, but it will test your own storytelling, and it will test the veracity of the stories that you tell yourself. And maybe sometimes it can motivate you to maybe retell your story. And in, in a certain way, theology is all about that. It's, it's about taking the, the, the revelation, but also interpreting it, translating it. And it's not changing the truth, but it's telling the truth in a, in a way that is appropriate to the time in which you live that speaks the language of the people to who these truths are addressed and since the world and people are changing are, the way in which we tell our stories also must evolve anyway, a lot of that is is uh, talked about in The Science of Storytelling by Will Storr highly recommend it we are on the cutting edge of technology Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you've plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. In this uh, final segment of the show, I want to combine the science section and the technology section by talking about the James Webb Telescope again. uh, Last week, of course, I already mentioned the successful first batch of photos that were made. But now there's actually a website where you can compare the photos that were taken by the James Webb Telescope with the existing photos of the same uh, places in the sky. That were made using the Hubble telescope. And what I love about this website, it's called by by the way, you can easily go there. It's WebCompare, but then Web with double B instead of one B. So webcompare.com. And you will have a photo of a nebula, and then it's got this slider, and you can move it from left to right, and it will alternate between the Hubble version of that, that picture and the new. James Webb version, and it's mind-blowingly more detailed. Uh, it's it's just so stunning to actually be able to compare. It's almost as if you get a new set of new pair of glasses. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so sharp, it's so clear. Um, and, and and I think it's a perfect way to demonstrate how much this new telescope is uh, is enhancing our perception of uh, not just the, the sky as it is as it is right now, but also as it was millions of years ago. Uh, fascinating website. Absolutely check it out. And with that, we've come to the end of this episode of The Break. Hope you enjoyed it. Take a look at the YouTube channels that I mentioned. Of course, you can go to youtube.com slash Roderick and then on the bottom you will see links to the other YouTube channels. Definitely take a look at my vlogging slash documentary channel. And if you're into Lego, I'm also doing live streams multiple times per week and sometimes oh, I also discuss exciting Lego news and I'm so excited I I actually got an, uh, finally a, a Lego set or two Lego sets that I've been waiting for to go on sale and now they finally did. One is the big owl from Harry Potter. It's an amazing display set. Very big. I'm going to build that one. And then I got the Jurassic Park set. The one... With a little diorama of the the iconic scene in which the T Rex has broken through the fence and is attacking the the jeeps with the kids inside, uh, that was an amazing set. A little bit on the expensive side, but I got it now for twenty percent off, twenty five percent off. And I'm so looking forward to to building that. I normally don't really buy a lot of those, you know, movie based. Playsets because ah, it's just a lot of money, but this is definitely a uh, such an iconic scene for me. That that is Jurassic Park, and so I was I was super excited to get it uh, with with such a great deal. So I'm going to be building those those sets live on my LEGO YouTube channel. So definitely look up Brick Priest on YouTube as well. All right, I have to go get uh, ready for. The Mass for Geeks streamed on the Tridio Media channel, which is yet another YouTube channel. I I know it's confusing, but trust me, this is so much better, I think, to to spread the word about these different programs that we make. Thank you, if you're a patron, for your support. And uh, you can look forward to uh, a lot of good stuff coming soon to your exclusive Patreon feed. All right, I'm signing off. Have a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and we'll talk soon.